while the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know wherefore, we're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Good morning. I am Joy Gonzalez, and if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I am the campus pastor here at Uptown Church. And like Elizabeth said, it is so good to see you this morning and to worship with you. Whether you're right here in the room with us, you are watching on a screen somewhere or listening to the podcast, we are excited to kick off this season with you. Now, one question to ask you as we kick off this season is how do you know when it is actually Christmas? Like, how do you know when the holidays have arrived? Anybody? Anybody? What is your tip off? Some of us might say decorations, you know, when people start decorating for Christmas. But honestly, how many of you started decorating before Halloween or like right after? Okay, not really a good indicator. And some of y'all, let's be really honest, you've had your Christmas lights up on your house all year round. You just don't turn them on until December rolls back around. Christmas time doesn't have like this official kickoff time, like the football season does, like sports, like back to school time, summer. There's not like this official kickoff season. But I remember growing up in the days before Spotify, BS. Anyone remember that? (laughs) If you can remember that, travel back with me. When you had to listen to music on the radio, not on demand. And I remember you could always tell when Christmas started because all of your radio stations would switch over and it would be solely Christmas music. Music usually for many of us is that indicator that we are in the holiday season. And the same is true for scripture. In fact, the very first Christmas playlist cannot be found on the radio or on your Spotify, but was found in the Gospel of Luke. There are four songs in which people throughout the Christmas narrative burst forth and sing. And they're the very first Christmas carols that we have. And the next few weeks, we are going to be digging into those because not only are they beautiful and powerful songs, but they frame for us what this season is all about. And today I want to look at the very first song in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and it's the song that Mary sings. Friends, before there was Mariah, there was Mary, okay? Before Mariah was telling you what you wanted for Christmas, Mary sprung forth, burst forth, and proclaims the joy of Christmas Now, we've all heard of Mary, the mother of Jesus, many of us growing up, whether we grew up in church or not. And when we first meet Mary, we meet her in Luke's gospel when he tells the narrative of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And he sets out to give us a full account of who Jesus was and is, and he begins with her, Jesus's mother, and the announcement of Jesus's birth. And this is what we learn. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of God. And Mary said, How can this be since I am a virgin? Great question. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God and nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Every year at this time, we revisit that story. And every time I come back to this story, I cannot help but think of one of my favorite Christmas memories. And maybe I've shared this with you before, but a few years ago, my husband and I, wanting to escape the kind of busyness of the season, decided we were going to stay in on a Friday night, and we were all cuddled up on the couch watching a movie, and and just settled in for a relaxing night. And all of a sudden, at the door, we hear someone knock and ring our doorbell. And I look over at my husband, Elliot, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, do you think like we could just ignore it? Like they'll go away? And so I actually did. I, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I actually was like, I'm not getting up. So we ignored it, kept watching our movies, turned off the lights. <laughs> But the person at the door was persistent and kept knocking and kept ringing our doorbell. And so finally we had to get up and had to go to the front and see who it was and what they wanted from us. And as soon as I opened the door, there was a group of college students. I was a college minister at the time. And this group of college students all huddled up on our Christmas um, like porch. And they're all decked out in Christmas sweaters, Santa hats. Some of them even had like Wiseman costumes on. And they burst forth into songs, singing Christmas carols at the top of their lungs. And the weather was pretty bad, so I invited them into our living room, and this angelic chorus continued into the night, and there was lots of joy and laughter, and it quickly became one of my favorite holiday memories. The only thing about this story and this picturesque Christmas memory is that it's not quite right. See, these carolers came to our house to sing and celebrate Christmas on July 25th, not December 25th. And the weather was indeed very frightful, but only because it was like 110 degrees and they had sweaters on and were like fully dressed for winter. And I, I love going back to the story because every time I read of Mary in the Gospels, this is what I think of. Because the story of Mary is just like celebrating Christmas in July. See, on that night, the last thing 
The very last thing I expected was a group of carolers in July to show up on my front porch singing Christmas songs. And in the nation of Israel, longing and desiring a savior, longing for redemption, the very last thing they expected was for the savior of the world to come through the woman this woman of undecidedly unroyal, unimportant status. She was the last thing people expected God to use to, on their behalf to bring about the kingdom of God in the world. Like celebrating Christmas in July, Mary was not the right fit. In fact, Many times we read this story and it's hard for us to fully grasp that because as we read it for the first time, the truth is that many of us are reading the story once again for the 1,000th time. And our natural inclination is to think, well, of course the angel came to Mary. Of course the angel proclaimed that she was favored by God. Of course the angel tells her she is going to bear a son and the son of God in the world. Of course, we say, of course. That's the way we've always heard the story. That's the way we understand it. It's our, un, it's our conventional wisdom. But for that time, for that season, for the place that the world was in, there may have been stories on end about the gods engaging with royal figures and warriors. History was replete with examples of encounters between the gods and important people, but there were no stories, no stories of God encountering a poor peasant girl encountering the, the nothingness and barrenness of our world in such an easy-to-pass-over way. We think, of course, of course God would do that. But we forget that when God first came into the world, God chose Mary. And we know that Mary's not quite the right fit for this story. We know that Mary's not the right person for God to do this great work through because, in fact, Luke tells us in his gospel that the angel Gabriel, who's come to Mary, comes to another person. He comes to Zechariah before he gets to Mary. And Zechariah, if you read the story, gets the same sort of announcement that Mary gets, that his wife, Elizabeth, who has been barren for years, will indeed have a son, that this son, too, will be part of God's redemptive plan in the world. But there's a big difference between Zechariah and Mary. See, Zechariah is a priest in the temple. He's a religious leader. His parents were a priest. He comes from a long line of important religious people. Elizabeth and he had been wanting a child. They were ready for a child, unlike Mary, who's receiving this news and probably is shocked and not ready for this at this time in her life. 
Zachariah is exactly the sort of person, he and his wife are exactly the people we think, of course God would bless them. Because isn't that the way we're trained to think? Isn't that the way we understand sometimes the world? That we think, of course, God will bless those people who seem to live blameless lives. Those people who get it right. You know, those are the people who already have their Christmas cards out right now. You know, the people who always go to church. Their kids always behave. They seem to just have it all together. God uses those people. But in Mary's story, God comes to the most unlikely person. God comes and does the most unlikely work, what seems impossible to bring about the goodness of God in the world. This was God's plan to save the world. God embraces this unlikely person, an impossible mode of realization, and disregards all of the cultural norms present in her life to bring about the longed-for, hoped-for Savior and Messiah of the world. And while it's easy for you and I to kind of lose that in our 21st century reading of the story, because we're so familiar with it, I think that is exactly the point that we're supposed to take from Mary's story. When we come to her story, though it's almost impossible for us to recover how scandalous it was, though it's almost impossible for us to recover the shock that that would have been for people to hear that God would have picked her, that God was doing something in this peasant woman from a backwater town at the edge of the Roman Empire that nobody had ever heard of. That is the point of her story. That Christmas comes to us, that God usually comes to us in the ways that we least expect it. That God does the greatest work of God in the world, sometimes through the people we least are likely to anticipate that God could even use. God doesn't do things according to the way we do things. Think about it. If you were interviewing for the job of mother of Jesus, does Mary make your list? If her resume came across your desk, would you look at her qualifi qualifications and even give her a phone screening? No. But God, in working through Mary, begins to reveal to us the biggest thing that Christmas teaches us is that God does not work in this world as we do. And that is good news for us. See, God oftentimes in the kingdom of God in the world or the way God sees the world and works in the world is oftentimes not aligned with the powerful and the important where we want to align ourselves with the powerful. God often chooses solidarity with the poor, with the powerless. God is the one whose kingdom takes what we sometimes consider vile and makes it sacramental. 
that oftentimes God's kingdom breaking forth into our world can be more found on the margins of society, on the margins of what's happening in our lives, rather than at the centers of power and prestige. And that's good news. When Mary sings her song, the first song of Christmas, it's out of this place that she bursts forth into song. She says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. When Mary bursts forth and sings this first song of Christmas, it is out of this place of recognizing that the God of the universe, the God who for centuries people thought was distant, was mindful of her, saw her in her lowly state. We meet Mary centuries later and after we know more of the story. But I think it's important that we revisit Mary at the very beginning of her story and journey in, in this state in which God calls her highly favored and we have no clue as to why. If we can recapture that imagination, we recapture what God might be up to, not only then, but now in our lives and world. Because what her story shows us and what her song makes clear is the powerful truth that God is mindful of us. That is not a thought Mary would have had. Mary grew up with the thinking that because God was great, God was distant. And you and I, that's the way our world works. The greater somebody is, the bigger a name somebody is, the more important somebody is, the further removed we are from them. And so in her mind, in her world, and even in our world today, we have this idea that God is just distant and far off, has no clue what's going on. But Mary's song reveals to us this powerful truth that flips our understanding on its head, that God is actually mindful of us, that God sees us. And God doesn't see us just in our state of achievement or when we're at our best, but like Mary, God sees us and knows us when we are at our worst. God actually chooses to use Mary when she is probably the most unlikely, not only candidate for the job, but when she is at the least likely state of her own existence to be used by God. God doesn't wait till she gets it together. God doesn't wait for her to figure it out. 
God is mindful of her, knows who she is today and who God's calling her to be. And friends, how many of us need to remember that? How many of us feel like sometimes God just is clueless as to what's going on in our lives? To stop and think this Christmas that God might just be mindful and merciful and kind towards us. I love that she says this. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord because he has been mindful of me in my humble state. From now on, I will be called blessed. That God raises her up from that humbleness. The truth of her song and our story in Christmas is this, that you may be insignificant to the world, but you are not insignificant to God. You may be unseen by others, passed over by others, maybe feel forgotten by others, but you are not unseen by God, unloved by God, uncared for by God. God sees and knows you. She goes on and she continues singing the song and what's amazing is that she brings up for us in her song that not only is God mindful of us, that God sees us as we are and loves us as we are, but God is mighty for us. And friends, how many of us could sometimes use somebody to be strong and mighty for us? I mean, have you ever found yourself and maybe lately saying, I can't do this anymore. I don't know how I'm going to face that. I don't think I have enough strength. I can't keep on battling this depression. I cannot keep battling this addiction. I cannot even think of what facing this new diagnosis looks like for me. And we need someone to be strong for us. Mary declares that not only is God mindful of me, but God is mighty for me. She says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. She's reminding us that God is there for us that God strengthens us, empowers us, that what we feel like we cannot do for ourselves, God empowers us through his spirit and presence. When we are not strong for ourselves, she says, God is mighty for us. She goes on in this song and, and she flips this mighty to be, God's not only mighty for me, but God is mighty for everyone, for the world. She says, God has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary brings up this very real power dynamic in our world. Here she sings of this God who is mighty, not just in her personal life, but this God who is mighty for the world. Here she is, she is a woman living in, in an empire who is ruled by a Caesar who will take power at any cost, definitely at the cost of peace. She is a part of an oppressed people group and she is declaring that God is mighty. 
that God's might for the world overthrows every power struggle, every power and value system that would challenge the goodness and the justice of God. And I love that because how many times have we looked at another headline, read something, and we thought, is, is this world ever going to change? Is, is there any hope in this world? It seems like the same oppression exists over and over and over again, the cycles of violence. And Mary says, what was impossible beforehand now in Jesus Christ is impossible because Jesus inverts and flips on its head every value system that claims to give us peace and hope. She says, every power that you bump up against in this world is limited, that there is nothing that overcomes the very power of God. God is mighty for us. And then Mary goes on and because she can believe that God is mindful of her and God is mighty for her and mighty for us and for our world, she says this next, God is merciful to us. God is merciful to us. She says, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised them. And friends, this Christmas, you might need to hear that more than anything else, that God is merciful toward you. We kind of get this idea that if we're bad in this world or we don't quite measure up, that it's going to get us. Or that maybe even God is out to get us. We're nervous to walk into a church thinking, oh man, the lightning might strike. But scripture tells us and Mary reminds us, no, God is merciful to, to us he is merciful generation after generation. His mercy and forgiveness and grace towards us never runs out. While you're holding on to guilt, while you're holding on to yesterday and feeling like I just can't get it right and thinking maybe God's given up on me too. She says, no, God doesn't ever get, give up on us and God's mercy is new and enduring day after day. And she says, that is worth singing about, bursting forth in song. She's declaring the truth, not only about her life, but our life, that every new day, if you are breathing, God is still present and working. That every new day you have is another shot. There is not a point at which you run out of God's grace and forgiveness and goodness toward you. There's no limit. The mercies of God are new every day. Friends, this is the very first song of Christmas, the best Christmas carol maybe ever written, reminding us God is mindful of us, God is mighty for us, and God is merciful for us. What, if, what would it look like if we went into this season and didn't just sing on repeat the songs of Mariah. She's good, but what if this song played through our heads as well? And we remember day after day, whatever we face, whatever the season feels like for us. Because for some of us, it's a time of joy 
and excitement, but for some, we, we bump up against the reality that there is somebody maybe not here with us this season or that we're struggling to get into the spirit when everyone's prodding us to be joyful and cheerful. What if this was the song that played through your head as well, reminding you day after day that God is mighty for you, that God sees you and is mindful of you, and that God is merciful and his mercies never run out. May Mary's song become our Christmas song. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, as we enter into this season of Christmas, Lord, whether we are excited to be in this season, looking forward to all it will bring, or God, this season brings a measure of sadness or grief for us that we don't feel quite ready to deal with, would you remind us that you meet us here? Would you remind us of what these earliest Christmas songs reminded us? That God, you are doing something new in our world, something unexpected, that the way it is today is not the way it has to be tomorrow because nothing is impossible with you. God, we look to you in this season. You are our rock and our redeemer and you we place our hope and our trust. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.